I've got a confession to make. Okay. I have been guilty of doing this on more than one occasion in the past. Showing up to a rehearsal where I am either supposed to run the whole thing or supposed to run a portion of the thing. You know, I'm kind of the person who's supposed to say, okay, now we're doing this, now we're doing that. With no plan in mind whatsoever. And I thought that was okay, because as long as we were all in the same place and all playing bagpipes, or I've got to admit also, often it was practice chanters and pads, because without a plan, you kind of get lazy, I guess, that it would be okay, that it was still worthwhile, you know, and maybe it was, maybe to some degree it was, you know, but maybe more on the social kind of plane of things, not so much for improving sound, improving musicianship, etc. So... Thinking about that as like, that was a, that was obviously a fail on my part. What should, you're what too maybe, hard what, on yourself, Jim, you're too hard on yourself. You're well, you're too kind. You're too kind, Andrew. But like what, it does have me thinking like, what's, what is an ideal rehearsal session? You know, a, a while ago we did talk about like a model for an ideal personal practice session. But of course, as everybody likes to point out, you know, you practice on your own so you can go rehearse with the group. So then. What should the rehearsal look like? Is it is yeah. it all drills all the time or you know, what kind of how do I break that up and what's a golden rehearsal session look like with a pipe band? Yeah, that's a great question. I think a couple of things are probably worth just throwing out there. Thing number 1 is it really depends on the type of organization that you're in, right? So mm. like I think that some organizations are just like more they you know, it says pipe band on the door. But it's really more of just like a social club that does a little bagpipes to, you know, to generate the excuse to get out of the house and have a couple of beers or something. And hey, maybe that's what's needed. That's okay, right? Maybe that's what's needed and maybe that's okay. But like also I would suggest that in that case, you're the Jim Moyer model of winging it and not really necessarily having a goal at all. Like that's probably perfectly fine and maybe almost what the constituents would prefer. You know, it's maybe we don't even have to get the pipes out today and we just, you know, do a little practice channels and then, you know, call it a Hang night. Hang out and see I've, what happens is a model. Yeah, mm. so, you know, I, I think that there's definitely probably places in the world where that's the model, and, and to your point, maybe that's okay. However, that is not how I'm wired at all, 0%. I, if that happens... That'll be the last band practice I go to. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not, that's not my jam. So, so just that would be a preface here. So we're talking about, we're playing in a band that is, you know, concerned about and interested in, you know, improving and producing good performances and playing music at a high quality. So let's make that a prerequisite and no judgment on bands where that might not be the case. But so... But if that is the case, and that leads me to the next golden rule, which is band practice should be about developing the group and not about developing individuals. That's the next mm. place my mind goes, right? So that, That's one, yeah. That, I've seen that like as a spectator, and I've been sucked into that before as well, where it's like you just end up having you know, 12, 15, maybe 20 people in the room, and all the focus is on one person. Yeah. And sometimes, I, I, I don't know, like there's some, there can be something beautiful about everybody pulling together to help each other, but like it can't be that week after week after week after week. No. And it should really never be that. 
and I think maybe more commonly, you know, it's for people who like maybe aren't even aware somehow that their their drone tuning pins, you know, need to be tunable with one hand and not too loose and not too tight. And it's mm. like, hmm, man, we really kind of have to, we, we need to check those boxes, right? And then, you know, if old rustic bridge is a tune that you're supposed to have memorized by yeah. by now if frank and then sorry to all the listeners out there named frank but <laughs> if frank shows up and doesn't know old rustic bridge yet then that's going to derail and kind of ruin what you wanted to be able to achieve altogether so so <clears throat> once we've decided that we're a band that cares about how we sound and we're going to work to get better on an ongoing basis the next thing that needs to be somehow fostered is individuals come prepared to band practice with the, with the basics down, you know, to a, to yeah. a reasonable degree. In Inverary, so I, when I play in Inverary, I mean, every single person in that band has achieved an, and continues to achieve an extraordinarily high level of play. And that all happens before you walk in the door. Yeah. And if it doesn't, I'm not sure how long you're going to last. And by the way, I'm sure that's true in Field Marshal Montgomery. I know for a fact it's true in the SFU pipe band. So like, that's what we're talking about at the high levels. But even at the low levels, you can maintain your bagpipe on your own time. You can mm -hmm. learn, in the recent episode, we talked about achieving a good sweet spot and learning to do that as a habit. So individuals can do that. They might not be professional level players yet, but they can do that. And when it comes time to learn the music, they can do that. And they can do that on their own, okay, without taking time out of band practice in order to achieve that. I feel like sometimes there's people who don't have a ton of time, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, those are the ones who need to come to band half an hour early to get a little bit of extra help from the pipe major with the, under, you know, the reason being that we got to knock that out before band practice starts. And when I was, when I've been pipe major of various bands, you know, that would always have been something I would do is I would just, I would be the first one there usually. And then, mm. you know, other early comers would have a chance to, you know, run a couple things by me or get help with their pipes or whatever. And sometimes I'd be proactive if it's just me and some other guy, it's like, Hey, strike those things up. Let's see how they're sounding. But anyway, that's all in the spirit of making sure when band practice starts, that we're actually ready to work on the things that the band needs to work on. I appreciate that. I like the idea. I, and it's come up in these conversations multiple times of like each individual needs to take care of the things that are individual first. And then the group can be, can become this bigger thing that's larger than the sum of its parts. And I don't know if it's an encouraging thing to point out, but I'm just thinking about the new Piper or the recently like reactivated Piper who hasn't played for a long time. There can be it can be hard to feel confident enough that you're a good enough player to go to band practice sometimes. And I mm -hmm. would just, I feel like it's maybe important to point out that like blowing it the, you know, the right pressure and cleaning up your fingers and stuff like that, that should all be a focus and you should be getting better at that on your own, of course. But while you're working on that, everybody can have a well-maintained machine. You, mm -hmm. you can take really good care of your bagpipes. And speaking from some little bit of experience, I can say that if everybody showed up with like, a tight bag that's not leaking air and mm -hmm. tuning pins that are like not just slipping in different parts or that's aren't right. impossible to move. That makes a huge difference. A and huge it's difference. Very much appreciated. And then once you set that expectation, there's no real excuse for anyone in the band to struggle with that because you've got two options. Option one, 
you don't have to be a great player to take care of that on your own. Okay. Mm -hmm. But then option two is even if for some reason you, you can't take care of it on your own, or maybe to your point, you're just not comfortable yet. Like, I just don't, I'm not comfortable seasoning my pipes, but like everyone is capable of calling up the pipe major and saying, Hey, can you help me out with this before band this week? Everyone's capable of that. And so that's what we've got to do. And then to your point, that's going to make a huge difference. When we work together as a band, I think mm -hmm. if it's really early in the season, okay, uh, having a learning session for the band is great. It's fine. It's no problem. For example, we're going to be playing the old Rustic Bridge this year, uh, but it's brand new. So, you know, come to band practice as prepared as you can be with old Rustic Bridge, but we're going to work on it together and with the music. So bring your music stand or whatever, and then we can work through old Rustic Bridge. We might even bring the drummers in. Even though no one has it mem memorized yet, we might just hammer it out to see how it feels, you yeah. know, and maybe Billy will bring the harmonies that he wrote and see if we like how it sounds. But you could have these sort of developmental sessions, right? We can do that. And if that's the goal of the practice, then that could be a practice well spent. That might be one type of goal. Another goal might be to set the sound because you have a performance coming up. So in a practice where the main goal is to just get a good sound, we don't have to really overthink it from there. For example, typically leading up to a big competition, Inverarian District will spend a lot of time setting the sound, getting the chanters in, and sometime, but frankly, quite minimal in terms of getting the run-throughs of the sets. I mean, you might get one, mm. through, one run-through of each set that you're going to play on the weekend, and maybe a couple of little highlights, things that we want to make sure that are good. But, you know, when you're coming up to a performance, it can no longer be the goal of your practice to like work on people's learning of the tune or getting people to play the yeah. tune good. So, so structuring that, that's the name of the game. Well, and if variety is the spice of life, then I like the idea that throughout a calendar year, what exactly happens at rehearsal will change. I mean, yes. that keeps it interesting and it's applicable to whatever is coming up on the band calendar. Do you feel like it, there's value in having a session not be too short or too long? Like, you know, I've been in bands where rehearsal is two hours standard and others where it's an hour standard. Do you feel like there is any such thing as too much or too little? Oh, for sure. Definitely too much. I mean, we used to do eight hour like marathon practices mm. and, you know, in a sense, that's probably okay. Right. Spiritually. But you have to be, you know, if you're going to be there for a long period of time, you have to have a pretty specific plan and you can't ask the bagpipes to sound particularly great anywhere beyond, let's say 90 minutes of practice yeah that's know? a good point yeah anywhere beyond 90 minutes the pipes are going to be soaking wet and you're going to maybe be doing more damage to the cause than good because now people go home with soaking wet pipes and only six out of ten of the pipers are actually properly taking care of them as a result and so the other four their pipes are all kind of messed up and then they are having trouble practicing at home on their own because their pipes got messed up from the super long practice and then you know, then what's required is another super long practice the next week to try to like address all the problems. Mm. So there definitely is a, an optimal length of time. And that might change here and there. And, you know, the more practice channels you play, you know, the more time you can squeeze out. But I, I like thinking about a, a rehearsal in, let's say, a two hour, two hour chunks. So mm. maybe you could do two, two hour chunks in a day if you're doing like a big 
band weekend or something. Maybe you could do two right, two-hour chunks the band of the day, Saturday but, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's worth thinking about it in two-hour chunks, and then how might you structure that? I think I would start with just getting the pipes going at the beginning, getting some warm, moist air into those pipes, and then just play a couple things fairly casually, and then let the pipes sit for a while, maybe while you do some practice chanter work, uh, and then for the last forty-five minutes. Maybe you tune the pipes up fairly well and then maybe bring some drummers in for a couple of things. Maybe that would be the basic arc of a practice session. Maybe. And then maybe there's other things, you know, maybe you do only a short period of time on the practice channers so that you can do an hour of tuning. Now that Mm. might seem like a lot, but remember band practice is to rehearse the things that the band has to be able to deliver on. So we're not going to run through the stress bay 47 times, right? That's stuff that at least 40 of those 47 Strass Bay reps are things you can do individually with people outside of band practice time, or it's stuff they can work on on their own. We want to really take that valuable band practice time. Think about how hard it is to get everybody in the room, right? We really want to spend that time on things that the ensemble needs to focus on specifically. That's right? a good so, point. So maybe you so got maybe some even breaks. like marching into the circle or something like that's that. That's right. Marching into the circle, maybe, especially for less experienced players who that's not automatic for them. Like in Inverary, mm-hmm. we don't do that because everyone's played in bands for so long. You just, you know, you yeah. usually just kind of do it once or twice on the day and you're good. But in lower grade bands where that's less familiar, yeah, it's like we're going to walk into the circle a bunch. Even something like attacks. I see pipe bands do mm-hmm. a lot of rehearsals with attacks. But those attacks should be rehearsed at home mm. so, so that you just do one or two attacks at band practice to confirm everything is sounding great. But it, yeah, shouldn't, be this long, it. it shouldn't necessarily be this long-winded thing in the perfect world, in my opinion. But yeah, how are we going to tune the band? You know, how are I these breaks really, going to go? Right. How, when you say, how are we going to tune the band, it's not just like getting the instruments to play about right together so the next time you get together they're pretty close it's actually practicing the act of tuning isn't it yes absolutely i hadn't really i hadn't really put that together before andrew that ma- that makes a lot of sense i mean it's a thing it's a skill set to be able to and you want it to be efficient you want it to be as quick as you can yes. get it and quick and good and so you got to practice that and you can only yeah. practice that as a band it's not, that's one thing you can't do by yourself well i mean well, you and there's two sides. To some degree, but. Yeah, there's, and then the, there's two hemispheres of that rehearsal, just to get a little nerdy on you here and give you some food for thought. There's two hemispheres. Hemisphere number one is for the leadership of the band to rehearse the operation of the tune-up because there's a lot of moving pieces mm. to a successful tune-up, right? You got to get someone to tune the drones. You got to get someone to the, tune the channers. But the timing of tuning the channers is key, right? Because as the more you play, the more the pitch changes on you, right? Yeah. So... The guy tuning all the channers, he's playing for, he's playing basically continuously, but then the constituents in the band are basically not, right? They're basically playing very yeah. little. So how are you going to balance all that? How are you going to coordinate all that? What's the plan going to be? And then can we deliver? And so for mm. the leadership of the band, that's really, the, and there's only one place they can rehearse that, and that's in the band hall. So you'll see good bands, you'll see them spend a lot of time practicing their tuning. And the Mm. reason why is that's the only place it can be rehearsed. Uh, And then meanwhile, the other hemisphere of that process is like me, I'm just a, you know, rank and file guy in Inverary, right? My job is to practice not crapping my pants when it's my turn to get tuned, (laughs) right? Which is a very hard thing. So for me, I spend a lot of time visualizing, okay, like let's pretend 
this is the day of the world. This is my chance. This is my chance for so-and-so to come up and tune my chanter with me. This is my chance to, you know, produce a good tone in the tone zone. Don't forget about Mm -hmm. the tone zone, Mm -hmm. Jim. Uh, But this is my chance to produce some good tone in the tone zone and for the person to catch any out-of-tune notes that can be tuned. You know, like, I need to not be blowing all wild and crazy. I need to not be so nervous that I can't produce a good tone, et cetera, et cetera. So as the constituent, you know, that's my, that's where I get to rehearse that. You can't rehearse that on your own. You can't, in, in your tuning room by yourself, I can get my pipes in tune, but I can't visualize the process of someone stepping up and tuning me and I can't focus on blowing the, a nice steady pressure regardless of what I hear, blah, 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 so on and so forth. Like those are skills that we're, we need band practice for those skills specifically. Mm-hmm. Just, and then just to kind of hammer home the point, I do not need band practice to get my terlewiths and my grips and my bubbly notes to sound good. You see the difference? Mm, yeah, totally see I, the I, difference. Yeah, that I makes do not need band practice for that. I will do that on my own. And if I have trouble doing it on my own, there are people in my band who are, would be totally stoked to sit down with me before band practice or maybe even at some other time during the week to help me with my bubbly notes. Like they're going to be thrilled mm-hmm. to do that. But it would be inappropriate for me to bring that baggage to band practice and to be infringing on people's time. You know, that would be a, that would be a mistake. And it, it happens. Of course it happens. Like, oh crap, I'm playing the third bar of that completely wrong. And I had no mm-hmm. idea. And like that, you know, that's going to happen at band practice from time to time. Or like, I thought my pipes were sounding good, but man, for some reason, they're just going wildly out of tune. You know, of course that's going to happen. But those are things that at least in spirit, we want to prioritize outside of band practice. So when we come to band, uh, the band is able to focus on those band specific things. Yeah. And you, and you bring up a really good point, Andrew, that like when there is help needed for personal things, for bubbly notes and such, <laughs> why am I, it sounds like I'm saying like, yo, your bubbly note, that's a personal problem, right? But like that sounds when like that a, kind of, that sounds like a you problem. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But when there is help needed for that kind of stuff, even for instrument setup and stuff like that, you know, I'm thinking like for the new player. I, I know that someone, you can feel sheepish going to ask for help, you know, but like, just remember that everybody in your band who's already been playing for a while, especially like the pipe major, right? But like everybody who's been doing this for a while, they're, they've only been doing it for a while because they really love it. They are going to enjoy helping you work through any of this stuff. Like yeah. nobody's going to be like, oh, I don't really want to talk about bagpipes during the week. I only do well, it right now. You know, it we're is all true obsessed. That, <laughs> it is true that sometimes the pipe major is too busy. That uh, happens for sure. Yeah. And that's going to happen. But, you know, pipe majors of the world, uh, if you're too busy, no problem. But that does mean you need to delegate and be comfortable yeah. delegating. Like if you're too busy to help players with their bubbly notes, you must delegate that to someone else to do. And, you you, you know, sometimes I feel like pipe majors, uh, probably myself included, you don't trust other people to teach someone like the right way. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you, you just kind of end up in siloing yourself. But when we did the Oren Moore pipe band, it was amazing. Guys like Eric Olette and Keegan Sheehan and Carl Donnelly, these guys could really do what I needed be done. Right. And therefore, mm-hmm. and therefore players who are having a hard time, they're like, Hey, I want to work on this. I would always say like, 
you need to connect with Eric Olet or, you know, you need to connect with Keegan. Or you could connect with me, but if I wasn't available, and even if I was available, I would usually try to delegate first because that gives other people in the band practice working on these yeah. things. And then I can coach it them the how, maybe how they could teach better as well. Mm. It's like, cool, well, just when you do work on the bubbly nut with them, make sure you're doing this, that, and that, and make sure they're thinking about it this way. And that way, all of that points to being prepared for the band practice. And the original question you had, Jim, was how your practice might be structured. I really yeah. feel like, I really feel like the essence of that question is more about how do we get everybody into the room ready to actually rehearse. I really think that's the linchpin. That's the bottleneck. If you actually achieve that, what you're going to do that day becomes pretty straightforward. It's like, you're not, you're, if you know everyone's there with their pipes prepared and they've worked hard, you're going to play some pipes, right? You're not going to yeah, default yeah. to the practice channel. How often do we default to the practice channel just because it's well known? Yeah. Right? Well, it, it would like, take too much work to get the pipes If that's going. all I did all week, if anything, then I'm way more tempted to just hop back on the practice channel. Like if I haven't touched my pipes yeah. since last rehearsal, uh, I'm not, I don't really feel like getting them out. Yep. Yep. And, and by the way, I think a lot of top bands and so on, they kind of, they take that off season and they really don't do a whole lot. And, and mm. maybe that's part of the reason is because players are not going to have their band specific bagpipe firing on all cylinders during mm. the month of December. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So usually it's just kind of like, Hey guys, we'll see you in January. This is what we're playing this year. And then people kind of understand. It's like, aha. Okay, cool. We'll get it going in January. How, how do you feel, Andrew, about taking homework away from a band rehearsal? Whether that's like, hey, everybody listen to these three albums this week, you know, for immersion. I or, love that idea. What about, I'm selling it here. What about everybody read such and such chapter of Finding Bagpipe Freedom and we will discuss next week when we get together? You know, of course, there's also things like everybody work on the third part of the Strass Bay, you know that kind of stuff too. You into all of that? So, I mean, sure, but I don't think it's that realistic. Mm. You know, I think people play in a pipe band so that they can play bagpipes and drums and stuff. And so you usually, if there is some sort of homework that people need to do, man, it needs to be pretty straightforward, definitely related to bagpiping, and people need to clearly see the benefit of it. It would be cool if we lived in a land of cyborgs that were stoked about pipe band book club but i'm not sure how realistic that is mm -hmm. the main thing you know it's like we want people to show up with a bagpipe that sounds great and we want yeah. them to show up with the tunes learned sounding great those are the two main things and then from there the band can achieve a lot and then those two things i just said those are two really hard things to get but yeah. that would be our homework would be surrounding those basic things getting those basic fundamentals as good as reasonably possible, considering the level of the group. And then from there, use rehearsal time to rehearse ensemble-specific issues. You know, it's like, oh, now we need to go around the table and we need to listen to every individual play the third part. Like, I get it. Sometimes that might be the right thing to do, but usually no. We want to do that individual work outside of band if we can. Maybe if you have a big band weekend, the morning is spent with the leadership of the pipe core, working with individuals and, and doing those types of things. And then the sure. afternoon could be a proper rehearsal. Like you can be creative about it, 
But, but yeah, we want to be thinking about just from the macro perspective, the workflow and how it's all supposed to fit together. Because if we don't, mm. we'll just end up in those situations where it's just basically a free for all. You don't really know what you're supposed to do. And there's 18 def- different levels of preparedness walking in the door. And then you, you just kind of default to playing a few reps and taking yeah. what you can get and spending half your time working on two people's drones. Yeah. And uh, uh, if there's another option, a lot of times the players who want to improve or have a more focused experience, uh, we'll go to the other option, which it's like, Hey, it's all piping, but you know, yeah. if you want to hang on to players, you, that's not the situation you want. Yes. If someone leaves your band to go play somewhere else, I think a lot of people, by the way, this is off topic. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people get mad at the other band, but yes, it's your own, it's your yeah. own damn fault, right? <laughs> it's your own damn fault. The- and maybe that's like, you know, if you love someone, you should set them free. So if someone leaves your grade three band sure, to go yeah. play in a grade one band, I mean, if you that's, step, yeah, I, I, I get it. Like, I understand you're, mm-hmm. you're going to miss that person, but that's good for them, hopefully. Yeah. But then if yeah. the rival band, if the rival band poaches your players, don't get mad at the rival band. You know, you got to make it so your band is the enjoyable band to play with. And that's a hard thing. It's a hard thing to yeah, do. The, so there's some wise saying that goes something like, to get a person to move you don't need to destroy the house they currently have. Just right. build a better house and they'll move into it of their own, you know, of their own will. Absolutely. You know, so make your pipe band the coolest house on the block. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And I do feel like within reason, right? Like if you have a grade four pipe band, I think players in, you know, players that are at a grade three level, they might prefer playing in your grade four band. You know, if it's a band that's set up well and operates well and you can feel that forward momentum. So it's like the grade level isn't that important. It's the, you know, it's the machine, for lack of a better word, that you build that like is able to move forward and improve. I think that's Mm -hmm. what excites people within reason. Now, if you've got a grade Mm -hmm. four band uh, and someone in that band is capable of playing in a grade one band, you know, you have to understand that's eventually where they're going to go. Of course. Yeah. And you should want that. You know, and maybe once you become a grade two band, maybe you you don't want that as much and you want them to stay in your grade two band to help you become eventually a grade one band. But that's all on you. That's all, you know, the environment that you foster. And this is coming from someone who, as a pipe major, probably had ways, there were definitely things I probably could have improved. And and it's worth considering too, like, I mean, you never know what's going to happen in the future. And so maintaining a good relationship with your players when they go elsewhere it's it's worthwhile for you know this is this is me saying in my opinion for for your own health anyway like maintain the friendship why not mm-hmm. but also as far as your band goes like who knows if that if you're you're in a grade five or grade four band and this player's capable of playing with a grade two band and they go play with a grade two or a grade one band for a while and then something changes in their life that they don't have time for that anymore you might have a really great pipe major coming back to your band to bring a lot of great ideas from for a higher sure. grade band. And so if if you've burned that bridge, like, no, don't burn that bridge. Leave the door open so they can come back because they might bring back some treasures for, for you and your group. Yeah, I feel like that's a topic for another day, Jim, because that, that's, a deep, that's a deep rabbit hole. We shouldn't go too far down it at the moment. We should let this be concise. Well, let's call it in there for today. Just a couple of thoughts about, I mean, what did we talk about? We talked about just a couple of thoughts about making your band rehearsals as effective as they yeah. can be. 
has to do with uh, your personal responsibilities that you have in order to make it so your rehearsal can be good. And then mm -hmm. what, what ought you to be focusing at a band rehearsal and what ought to be other stuff that happens at home? Yeah. One analogy to bring the point home. If you're putting together a basketball team, how much of your basketball team's practice time should be spent developing my ability to shoot the three-pointer? You know, like maybe there are times where there's a little bit of that that, you know, is appropriate. But generally speaking, you want me to come onto the team already able to shoot the threes, right? And then during basketball practice, where we actually work as a team, we'll be practicing those things that are specific to the operation of the team. Like what plays are we going to run? What's the general strategy? So on and so forth. So, so there's a time and a place for everything. And I feel like the band practice hall often is just kind of a convoluted mess instead of being focused on those key things. Hey everybody, Andrew Douglas here from the Piper's Dojo, and I just want to say thanks so much for listening to today's iteration of the podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard here today, it would be super helpful to us and to a lot of bagpipers out there trying to find us. If you could give us a top-notch review on whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast, particularly Apple, iTunes, and Spotify, and things like that, your review would be really, really helpful. So if you have a moment today, definitely go over there and help us out. Other than that, until we meet again on the podcast or somewhere else, thanks again for listening. <laughs>